3: Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. One, two, three three. Supremo suck
1: suck. Suprema Roll Call. Suprema Suprima Roll
4: Call. Suprema Sun Suprema Roll
3: Call. Suprema Sun Supremo Roll Call. Warm up my panini. Yeah. On my Foreman grill. Yeah. Warm her for Nani, Yeah. Or
0: Gangster girl Suprema, su, su, Suprema Suprema, su, su, Suprema
4: My name is Fonte. Yeah. DJ Drama's my people's. Yeah. The best gangster grills. Yeah. Separate but equal.
2: Suprema, Suprema,
1: My name is Sugar. I don't need no drama. Yeah. But I do need a DJ. Yeah. Ah, fuck it, you're hired. Roll call. <laughs>
3: hey, I'm, I'm offended. Suprema, roll call. Suprema,
0: su Sup mm. suprema roll call. It's Ia. Yeah. And it's a must. Yeah. You know that DJ drama yeah, was my college crush. Roll call. Suprema, Sup Sup su- suprema roll call. Suprema.
2: Sup, su, suprema roll call
5: is DJ drama. Yeah, you know my mama. Yeah, she's a white lady. Yeah, yeah. she didn't go to Grady. No, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> suprema. Su, 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 suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, suprema roll call. Suprema, su,
4: su, suprema roll call. Suprema.
5: Su, su, suprema roll call.
1: <laughs>
5: oh boy! Wow. All right, that was fun.
3: Yeah, so that's the episode. Yeah. <laughs>
1: See you next go around.
3: All right, look, I will <laughs> shout man. All right, so I will say this much: back when my band started to tour in 1994, I kept receipts of which DJs were open to us and filling and supporting us, and of course, you know, some cats up in New York, Tony Toca. You know, Tony Touch showed us love. This cat named Boo the Barber, mm. who used to do these blends, showed us love. Of course, Philly's own Cosmic Kev, DJ Cash Money. Mm. But there was one mixtape in particular that always got run on our tour bus. And it just said, Il on it. Mm. You know, it meant something to me because this is the first time that I'm hearing Malik B and, and Tariq and Dice for All actually on a mixtape. And we just ran that tape over and over. Like, that was damn near the soundtrack to 1994 and 95 on our tour bus. So cut to seven years later, you know, once the roots sort of evolved and whatnot, and now we have two tour buses. As I've joked before that there was this Slytherin tour bus and the Gryffindor tour bus. So I'd be on Slytherin, which was Tariq's bus. And, you know, which was, it was always popping on his bus. We were the nerd bus, but, you know, his his drawing was always popping. And it wasn't until, like, the end of maybe the phrenology tour where Tariq's trying to explain to me that every time I hear this little... He's trying to explain to me that that's Tariq from back in Philly. dramatic. And I'm like, wait, it doesn't make sense, though. It doesn't... Only because the thing was, is that that mixtape of '94, I've never heard someone just devote an entire mixtape to what we called underground or backpack mm-hmm. rap or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is why the roots couldn't find any real estate on your SNS or your mm-hmm. Tony I'm tu- uh, not Tony Touch, uh, like, you know, like, Slayer. yeah, all those, like, we barely got on them joints. During... I was like, wait a minute, he, what? And they're like, yeah, man, he moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And now he's, you know, <laughs> I've always wanted to have this conversation with... If you know, so, it's like we never chopped it up for real. So dope. I knew one of these days we were going to have a conversation, so
5: I wanted to save it for here. I'm, I'm glad. I know we've had a couple of interactions on IG about it, but never like in-depth. is going, this, like, Yes, this, this is our first is, in-depth yeah. conversation.
3: So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please welcome to Questlove Supreme, the the master, God himself, <laughs> Mr. Thanksgiving. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: yes.
5: DJ Drama. Oh, man. Two thank you. Thank you. you, thank you. Thank you. DJ Dramatic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hell, Do you get tired of those people
3: like th- 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 always pointing out the Mason Dixon line of your before and after life?
5: <laughs> no. I don't get tired of nothing because they could never care. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. nothing, nothing tires me when it comes to that. Okay. Yeah. It's a very important part of the story for myself and for hip-hop and for southern culture like in a lot of ways you know like what if i would have went to temple or what if i would have went to nyu you know what i'm saying so the fact that this kid from philly who literally grew up watching the roots as his inspiration of wow you can really do this and djing for bahamadia and you know my roommate when i got to college was rubix whose best friend was was Talib Kweli and I'm DJing lyricist lounges. And then that kid goes on to be a part of and transform like trap music and Gangsta, gangsta Girls becomes like the most important mixtape series literally of all time, but also how important it was to Southern hip hop culture. So yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those like destiny stories to me when, okay. you know, and when, when it's told and like, I've literally been in Atlanta longer than I was in Philly, but those 18 years of, born and raised in philly once from philly always from philly you know what i'm saying so you know. all right when's the last time you say john i say john all the time there you go <laughs> you know? all right Just checking. even <laughs> even, at, even at mean streets like you know i some of my employees who started interns like we have signs up like do not come in this john like or or in our new building generation now like there's a big sign of kobe or we have like a philly map on the side so we we still wrap word up yeah. okay that's what's
3: up uh, of course, Laya. You mentioned on on your roll call that you two went to Clark. So
5: you now you're from Atlanta. I
0: remember I a, the day. it I was, our it was our always first day that I had a crush school. on you. No, don't, don't do that. I That's did. a lie. Me and Nadine used to fight over you all the time, and you know that. Let's not do that.
5: Yeah, I thought it was the other way around. But I, when, I, used, I used to have the, I used to still wear the green fatigues from I Goldberg, like when I got to school. I still, With the dashiki. I still had them joints. And wear the, the locks. Yeah.
0: And the locks. Yeah. yeah definitely,
5: definitely had the long locks.
0: So yeah. that's why this is the whole interesting thing. And it's funny because Amir, he said he would do, he said if it was in demand, he would do an automatic relaxation mixtape mm-hmm. again. Yeah. I just want to say that to everybody who's listening. Did you hear this, tag? Yes, Well You hear that, all well,
5: you 50 year olders out there? Right. Well, right. <laughs> Inter- no, he, <laughs> he has, not has not us covered. Interestingly enough, just even during my most recent tour that I went on, I actually physically got my hands on one, the first automatic relaxation, which was the first CD, which happened to be called, it was Hip Hop Lovables. Like, people don't realize, like, when I first made Automatic Relaxation, like, it was before Neo Soul was a thing or, like, hip hop love songs were, like, you know, before everybody was, like, singing or it was so much melody. So, like, you know, it was a Hip Hop Lovables. Like, I named it that because there, it didn't really exist at the time. And then I just recently got my hands on my actual Illadelfia, Tape with you know thoughts. You have a copy free, of it? I do. Ah. I do. I should have brought it. Damn. I definitely should have brought it. I got the green cup. My my um homeboy from um, from Philly who lives across the street from my mom, D shot the D. He, he he found it in his crib and I was like if you go on my Instagram, I actually show it the tape yeah. and then I go I go and then show my Grammy like to see where I came from and where I'm at now.
3: How it started, how it's going. Yeah, how, how it's going. Yeah. So for you, what was your first musical Memory.
5: My first musical memory for me is being in Germantown. My dad lived on Ruby Cam Street and the older kids having the, the younger kids say the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let it burn. Let it burn. And they, they left out motherfucker. Like I vividly remember years later being like, damn, I didn't know they said let the motherfucker burn because they used to say let it burn, let it burn. And then, I mean, my dad was a big doo guy. So I definitely grew up around like him playing a lot of the Commodores and the Temptations and obviously Thriller. Thriller came out in eighty three, you know, so I was probably like I was I was five when Thriller came out, so that was a big moment. And then another one for me was definitely wanting adidas because of my adidas like i didn't get my parents bought me the wrong ones they bought me like they didn't buy me <laughs> the ones with the three stripes right, yeah right. i didn't get the three stripes so
3: but they were still adidas though right? they were adidas
5: they were adidas <sighs> but they weren't the three no striped one ones
3: there, there was like an, an Eckerd's drugs my parents were doing like a, a, hey, a, Eckerd,
0: a shit. Wow.
2: They,
3: <laughs> they were doing uh my parents were doing uh they were doing a residency in san juan puerto rico anybody from puerto rico that remembers uh I think back in 86 or 87, when the DuPont Plaza, there was like a battle between the union staff, which I don't know if they were mob connected or whatever, and Mm -hmm. the hotel management. They threatened, like, if you don't renegotiate our contract, we're going to blow this (laughs) hotel up. Because we we checked out, we had a New Year's gig in Lancaster, PA that night. So we we checked out at, you know, 12 p.m. on December 30th, flew back to the States, and came back home with all these messages like, "Are you guys alive? Are you?" Mm-hmm. And then we found out that there was an explosion in in the Dupont Plaza. I think mm-hmm. like eighteen people died or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the whole point was there was an Eckerd's Drugs across the street, and you know this is when Adidas made top ten Adidas, the red, blue, and green like high mm-hmm. top thing. And so they were like, "We got you, top ten Adidas," but it had four stripes. Oh, mm-hmm. it was like the twelve ninety nine Jordan. Adidas.
4: And not K Swiss either.
3: Oh. Yeah, and that's and, and that's when <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that's when like you had to run your shoes down before you got another pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just all in seventh pair. grade, I just yeah. got laughed at because you know I got a pleathered thriller suit and I got four stripes in my Adidas. So
5: he was that nerd. Well, something similar. Yeah, I got the wrong. I felt like I didn't get the right Adidas. I I never forget that. I see. I see. But for you, when did at least
3: turntableism like? When did that attract you?
5: So for me, I grew when I grew up. You know, I mean, the first like piece of vinyl that I got was this actual this compilation vinyl was. It, it was called like Street Rap. And it was like a KTEL Records joint or something. It had like to, to be something like that. Out. I don't even remember where I where I got it, but and it had like Rock Box on it. It had Roxanne, Roxanne, U T F O, KTEL. And I and I remember like you know literally like memorizing Roxanne Roxanne by U T F O and it had a couple other songs on there, so that was my first actual physical like piece of hip hop vinyl. But around like maybe like 10, 11, I got really into skateboarding, you know, and I was super into skateboarding and it was all about Thrasher magazine. It was all about going down to Love Park. So this is like in middle school for me, and you know I came up at a time when Down in Love Park, there started to be this this movement or this group of black skateboarders. So it was it was maybe like seven, eight of us at the time. And, you know, shout out to my brother Stevie Williams. He was like the youngest of of all of us. And he was also the best fortunately i was the worst so <laughs> what about <laughs> chuck treese was he around wow. back then i think so he's older though yeah he was older he's he older. was older and he's still
0: skateboarding
5: <laughs> and he's still old yeah we're a little younger <laughs> but you hey, know kids? they they used to basically like make fun of me because i could barely land a kickflip and like or even like when we we used to like go to wawa and like steal the fucking the jugs of of iced teas and everything mm-hmm. And then, like, when we would skate off, I would always be, like, behind. And Get everything. caught. Yeah. <laughs> Never got caught, but I was, I was, like, la- I was like, last when we would try to skate back to love. So, yeah, I was super into skateboarding. I think Nickelodeon had, like, skate TV out or something around the time. And then between 8th grade and ninth grade, I went to the movies to go see Juice. And I was just blown away. I think for a certain age group of us as DJs, like, Juice was really is really monumental in our careers because, you know, and, and again, like in Philly culture, like we always like Philly had the DJs, New York had the rappers, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I knew early on about cash money and Miz and, and, and Jeff and what hat, what have you. So, but it was really juice that started my fascination with like, that's, I might want to try that. You know what I'm saying? Like I dabbled about, you know, with rapping a little bit, never was really that good at it. And then, so Ninth grade, after seeing Juice, I convinced my mom to buy me a turntable and a mixer. And she did. It was a belt drive originally. I got a yeah, yeah, so belt it, was, drive. it was tough. Yeah. It was tough. So I originally got like a belt drive turntable and one mixer. Um, I remember. Was it a Gemini or a Technique? It was a Gemini. It was a Gemini belt okay. drive. Yeah, it was a Gemini so, Belt drive. For those that are wondering, yeah, uh, driver is a direct drive. Bell drive is like, you know. Jigga, when you, jigga, yeah, when you jiggle jiggle. Exactly. It takes a long <laughs> yeah. time to, to rev back up. So like look <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Without,
3: straight up, straight
5: without a technique twelve hundred you wasn't really doing nothing. So but I remember I did like it was a kid, uh his name was Ari Foreman. I did his Ari birthday. You know Ari? Yeah, uh, Ari's still around. He's like he does. Very he's, much so. he's doing production and and film and and things like that. He did some art for us, like him and Tramp, and see, like they designed. It's So crazy how the world is still connected. Philly. Really? Well, his birthday party was my first party, so I remember the first records. Really? Yeah, we went. To, he went to Central with me. Okay. Um, Wait,
3: you and Ari are the same age.
5: We are. Yeah, we came in. Night Wait, I'm in.
3: older than Ari. I'm way older than you, so by the transitive axiom, <laughs> if A equals B, and B equals C. Yeah. yeah. By a couple years. Ari's so classy. Like, I always thought he was, like, slightly older than me. Mm, yeah, we're in the same class. Two-five-five. Because five. he's the one that introduced me to Cosmo.
5: Okay. So, go ahead. Uh-huh. So, I used to save my lunch money. My mom would give me, like, $5 hours every day for lunch. Mm-hmm. What did your parents do, man? What was yeah. that? My mom is a, a teacher. She's in education. She's been in education forever. She was... um. She now has her PhD um, in education. But when I was in growing up, she would teach in Philadelphia High School. She taught at uh, Alney. She taught at Overbrook. Yeah, I think those were—she went from Alney to Overbrook. So she was at Overbrook when I was at Central. And my dad used to work for this Quaker organization in Philly called AFSC, American Friends Service Committee. And then hit part of his job was spending a lot of time in Eastern Europe. So, like— he used to travel to the U- ussr at the time and you know and then later on he would go to other part of parts of eastern europe and like you know help out like what are known as gypsies which pretty much are like you know people of european descent but they almost get treated as black people over there mm-hmm. in a the sense and then my dad you know both my parents were very politically active growing up so like my dad used to be in snick Um, Student, student student nonviolent coordinating committee. Yeah, so, you know, I grew up going to like.
0: Because did you go to charter school? Did you go to one of the charter schools? I did. not
5: I always wanted to go to a charter school. Like Lotus Academy. Bro, I wanted to go to Friend Select or GFS or Penn Charter so bad. Like, (laughs) because I knew so many kids that went there. It's funny because I put my daughters in the friend schools and they're like, oh, dad, why did you do this to us? (laughs) And I was like, man, growing up, I wanted to go to a friend school. But I think it might just be a Philly thing. It's Quaker. Quaker. And that's like a a PA thing. But. I went to public like my parents couldn't afford me to go to those schools, so I went to Masterman and I went to Central, so I always went to like good academic schools, like I, I had good grades in school and what have you. So yeah, so I, I used to go downtown between Armand's Funko Mart and Sounds of Market. Yep. And I would buy my records, and I would you know the first records I bought was like. The Who's the Man soundtrack, Heavy wow. D was, was Who's yeah, the Man, yeah. Party and Bullshit Party was bullshit the was side. So you spend album cuts and the grooves are this small and it, not it. loud <laughs> enough. Um, super, super Ghetto Red, ghetto red uh, Hot, super, ghetto, cat. super Cat, Ghetto Red Hot, Fad Joe, Flo okay. Joe, yeah. And I, you know, it was, this was around a time when, like, in Philly, like it was there was the Goats and then there was the Square Roots, and you know that was like that was you know my introduction to like hip-hop and DJing, and it was this was all around that era.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state.
2: at PurdueGlobal.edu.
3: Well, first of all, you know, even for me, like to be a drummer as young as I was, and I would get these catalogs, these Sam Ash catalogs, whatever. Drums were like seven thousand bucks, right? And so, I mean, lucky for me, my dad had like access to stuff. Usually, like band members that mm-hmm. sub come to. An addiction or whatever, whatever, and leave the equipment. That's how like would inherit drum sets when I was younger. But like DJ equipment, though, man, was tough. like expensive. Right. Were you just on one turntable and one no. cheap Radio Shack joint, or
5: like a yeah. mixer for a while? I had the what was the um? I guess it was the Gemini mixer that had the eight second sampler. Yes, so yes, I, Scratch I had, Master. Yeah, I had that. Oh my god! How
4: do you know that? I had well, I had access to one. My always had one. That
3: was like you were a DJ too? <laughs> no, no, no. I Ante. used to make
4: beats on it. Okay. Like, oh, it yeah, because you had the sampler. Yes, yeah, you. and you could loop, and you yeah. had to, like, turn the thing to catch it, you know, perfectly. and it perfectly, and, yeah, my finger was, like, all tore up. Yeah. I had the,
3: yeah, I had yeah.
5: the trend. I remember I used to write my grandparents, my my mother's parents, like, letters, and, like, when I would get good grades, I would, like, write them letters, like, hey, I got good grades, like, can you get me this? And, Dearest Papi. You know, <laughs> and then, you know, my, my, my grandparents actually, I think, were the ones who bought me my Technique 1200s. So they bought me my Technique 1200s, and then I would do little gigs here and there, and I think, you know, at Armand's at the time, like, or not even Armand's, I think at Funko Mart, you know, you could buy, speakers weren't, like, that expensive, so you could, I could, I bought, like, maybe, like, you know, these big-ass woofers and everything, and it might have been, like, two 300 bucks, $400 for a set. Right. And then you would have to buy a receiver, what else would you need? That's
0: all gift money, no job. You ain't got a job
5: yet. I didn't have a job. No, this was all this was before a job. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get a job till like 11th, 12th grade. So yeah, it was all it was all pretty much like gift birthday and, and and Christmas type gifts and stuff. But, you know, lunch money is is my, how I did my record collection. Well, and then starve, you know, just
3: starve in school.
5: Starves. (laughs) Yeah. Steal somebody's somebody's story, Yeah. Maybe go across the street from Central and go to the pizza spot and maybe get a dollar slice or something. But you know, definitely I would save up to, to get my records.
3: So were your parents encouraging or did they see this as just like a hobby? Definitely just saw it as a hobby.
5: Did you see this as a career or a hobby? You know, interestingly enough, my sister was like a, is a filmmaker and she used to do like make independent films my, and hence how we first met because she brought me to i guess it was was it at temple it was it was for the premiere of past the popcorn video
2: damn wow
5: yeah. and wow. there was a there was a a young lady who used to direct videos cuz she did um a three times dope video i can't remember her name but my sister was friends with her oh, and then but she's the one that that's how i wound up coming to the premiere of Past the Popcorn. And that was where we originally first met and I like came up to you as a young lad and just <laughs> introduced myself.
3: Shout out to uh Abdul Jackson and Kevin Drear. I forget Damn, man, you just took me back on some joints, man. Yeah. I totally forgot. Oh that. yeah.
5: Re-
0: Y'all had a premiere party for that they video. Did. For the video,
3: right? Just <laughs> like,
0: popcorn video. So
3: yeah, like my last my last day at Roughhouse. House mm-hmm. just, you know, I I just Spaghetti on the wall and see if it stuck. And I just happened to ask Chris Schwartz right after lunch because I would notice after lunch he'd be (laughs) (laughs) in a different mind state. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, you know, or Ben he knew about the roots and, you know, saw some shows or whatever and always wondered, like, how can we get a you know an offer? But he just he was just that day, he just like, Okay, how much? I was like five thousand? Wow. So you'll need seven thousand. So you wrote it's like seventy five hundred thing and i to do organics? No, to to, to do video, the past the popcorn right, and we video. shot okay. past the popcorn on Thanksgiving morning. Wow. Like
5: Yeah. It's so, like shout out to Chris Schwartz of Roughhouse Records. And I remember too, my other friends used to be cool with Kenyatta. I used to look oh, up crumbs, to yeah. Kilo, yeah, yeah, I used to look up to, to Yacht. like but but no, there was a, it it was for them. It was a hobby for me. It was still you know, I thought I was gonna wind up going to NYU and be in film school and be a director, like at the time. That's that's but I loved DJing, like it was it was my thing. So I definitely had, you know, without even realizing was putting way more time and effort into my DJ career. And then, you know, I, I had my stuff in my in my room at my mother's house and then it got to a point when I, the traffic of the friends coming over and us trying to make little freestyle tapes and everything, she she got fed up because it was like 10, 10.30, and she was like, yo, too I'm, it's too loud. And so she allowed she let me move to the basement. And I moved, you know, that was my first studio in the basement of my mom's house. And we used to be down there boom bapping all day after school every day. And I, that's where I made Illadelph. And, you know, I, I started. My sister took me to New York between ninth and 10th grade and I, we went to Harlem and on 125th they still had the vendors and I bought that's when I bought my first mixtape DJ SNS old school part 2 ah. and, and the reason why I bought that tape was because all the songs that were on there when I would go to to the record stores, I couldn't get those songs on vinyl anymore because they were, unless they were the, you know, the bootleg copies and everything. So I bought S&S Old School Part 2 and I was just literally blown away, like, by that tape, by S's talk game, like, how he was putting records together and hence that just really started my fascination with, like, mixtape culture and then, you know, Clue kind of was coming up on the scene and when I would get Clue tapes from the layup... And things like I would, I would feel like when I would go to school, I'd be like, oh, y'all don't know about this yet. Like, y'all don't have this premiere J. Rue remix or, right. you know, this, this new Biggie, Grand Pooba Tupac song. Like, right. so I would feel ahead of the curve. And, you know, I was just that, you know, and when it came to like DJing and like, you know, there were battle DJs, there was radio DJs, there was, you know, party DJs and there were mixtape DJs. But the mixtape DJ for me was always just like larger than life. So for Philadelphians, uh, the layup,
3: my current production manager, uh, Keith McPhee, kind of opened kind of like Philly's, I don't know if it's the first culture store, but it was like the spot like where, it. yeah, it was like the spot where you could get like, what was like first skateboarding gear? Like
5: Fresh Jive? Yep. Oh, wow. Or Stussy. You could get Stussy, the, yeah. Those. Uh, triple Five. Triple five, triple five Soul.
4: Soul. Those
5: hoodies. Early Echo.
4: It's you not the hoodies. Like, yeah, those. I can't remember it's the it's, or even those yeah.
3: skateboard pants that are like the big at the yeah. bottom oh yeah the, yeah I forget 40, what they like,
5: yeah the, the 40 waist johns that were super big yeah
3: so that's yeah. and that's pretty much like that was just like the cultural epicenter that's where like mixtapes were yeah you get Krylon spray yeah. paint yeah. yep you get to caps all those things oh, man. Oh, man. everything get a source play. magazine they have
4: the white man dashiki the um Yes, with the... Yeah, yeah the, those things that... Oh,
0: I know what you're talking about. The hoodie that got the pockets right here and it's stripes, yeah. it looks like it may You, you see some, like five yeah. white
3: boys at lunch playing hacky sack
4: and yes, shit. Yes, yeah. yes,
0: yes, yes. Yeah.
3: I would rock that shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, And yeah. never shower. So mm-hmm. all the fuck in the world is This <laughs> mm-hmm. side of that, those... I love stories. your honesty. It's
0: for sure.
3: Yeah, truth. come on, dog. I mean, the only reason why dudes would shower in their 20s is if a woman is involved or whatever. Like, their future partner. But... You know
0: come back, come back, come back,
3: come back. Yeah, I'm coming back. (laughs) Anyway, who is the DJ? Okay, I'm gonna try my Rock the Bells thing, just like Jeff does. Yeah. My cash money thing, whatever. But for me, I will say that like Cosmic Kev is probably the sensey DJ that I always have in my head Mm -hmm. when I'm doing a set or whatever. Like you're always gonna emulate someone Mm -hmm. because like if you're making beats. Right. When you get your drum machine, you start to, you know. Right. All right, let me see if I could do blah, 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 right. blah. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. For what, you as a DJ. Who were those DJs? Who oh, was uh, the sense like? Who what was the mix that was sort of like, damn, I got to.
5: Well, I mean.
3: Or were you even into turntablism or oh, absolutely. Blending?
5: I was going to tell you. I mean, because there was. So for me, it was a, a few. I mean, definitely probably first. It was. DJ Ran because
0: wow, yeah I forgot Ran
5: yeah because yes, before Rand. you know before Rand's Kev, still spinning
0: right Yeah, he was like with the WWF forever yeah. Yeah. yeah okay yeah. I'm not sure uh, shout
5: shout to Cosmic Kev too he he just took me on a super history lesson like about, was he nice about it who Kev yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we talked for like two hours just Kev, about, Kev
0: has been gentle
5: lately like, we've yeah. been exchanging nice but words we, we discussed like his relationship with Ran and how yeah. things came about and how you know it went from Ran to Kev and you know, but when, of course, as a, as a, as a youngster, like it was Kobe, Kolb and DJ ran on radioactive every Friday night. So, you know, people don't really like, this is obviously before we had, you know, you can go in, you can go on YouTube, Hulu, anything and watch anything hip hop you want. Back in the day, we only had certain outlets. So you would run home to catch rap city or Friday night. I would be tuned in to radioactive to hear it. So, Oh, you know who else, too? What? Yeah. yeah, it's fucking Jay Ski.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about Jay Ski. God Yo, damn it. Happy 50th birthday, uh, Jay's fucking Ski. 50th, speed. right? Yes. I think. He did. He yeah. turned 50. Yes. Because yes. what was
5: the station? It was uh, 103? Yeah, 103. 103. 103. something. You stupid. With, uh, <laughs> with Jay Ski with, and With Zulu and the family. What is Zulu, yep. Zulu, man?
0: Zulu's around. He came to his birthday party. Zulu was yes. around? Yes. Yes. Damn.
5: On, so on the radio side, it was definitely Ran, Kev, and Jay Ski. And then... In Philly, for me, it was DJ Ghetto, and Ghetto was like
4: yes, you know, DJ Ghetto.
5: yeah, Ghetto used to be our our DMC champion. He would wow. he would go up against Rock Raider, rest in peace, and you know do his DMC thing. And like you know, Ghetto has another cousin named Evil Tracy too. But but Ghetto like Ghetto kind of like you know took me in as a youngster and was trying to kind of show me how to really cut and scratch and you know do things on his level i could never get it down to 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 that degree but ghetto definitely like befriended me as a as a young dj too in philly so i salute to him so those were the guys that i was around or were listening to early on so when you're in the dramatic era are you do you have a regular residency are you doing high schools so dances is the first club i ever DJed at Bobby Bobby dance yes it was for Jawan lee's birthday party oh, the Eagle? Um, no no juwan lee juwan lee he's a director he works okay. with benny boom um oh, wow. he does a lot of stuff now too it's my my brother to this day i just saw him the other day but yeah that was my first actual club gig was was juwan's birthday party of dances this might have been like 11th grade and then i was just doing like i would get hired to do like block parties or like birthday parties of you know kids that I went to school with, or you know, that I knew around town, or, or, or what have you, and and then you know we had this, I remember we had this crew um, that uh, it was this crib off Gerard Avenue that we lived at, and I used to do a lot of their functions. So you know I, I was I was getting you know gigs here and there, just like around Philly as a, as a kid.
3: Now, as far as your creative output is concerned, and, and uh, I specifically want to kind of go step by step, which Absolutely. is why I'm like leading no, there.
5: We got it's a lot,
3: so. You know? For you, um, are you in the mind state of serve my audience or like I'll admit I'm very selfish with my DJing and I do it like I'm like Prince doing Darling Nikki. No one cares about the music but yourself. Yeah. And but I also know that I have a shield of protection that will allow me to play a Mr. Rogers song. I could play the number song by the Pointer Sisters on Sesame Street yeah. and kind of get, you know, they were like, what the hell is he playing? I'm like, yeah, that Questlove's so crazy. Uh, like, I know I can do rogue shit. Right. And, you know, and oftentimes the openers are like, yo, man, like, that was crazy you did that. Because even one time, I think Fonte mentioned that someone spun Return to Forever or something. It like, was. Uh, or uh, Weather
4: Report. Yeah, it was out of, uh, who was it? It was the Detroit. It wasn't, um, I think it was Theo Parrish.
3: The, okay, the, okay. 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 Yeah, well, he's exactly. known for daredevil shit. <laughs> yeah. But my whole point is that, as a DJ, you kind of have two choices, which is serve the people, mm-hmm. or establish yourself. Right. So at the time, and oftentimes, like opening DJs have it the hardest because mm. they gotta, you gotta keep them on the floor. You yep. can't. I remember once an opening DJ got in trouble. He had like an early copy of Brooklyn Zoo. Mm. And uh, I think that might have been too, you know, I would, mm. of course, you know, it was like, oh, the new Wu-Tang joint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't. The club owner was like, No. No, you know, that sort of thing. So for you, were you facing any sort of venue structure that would tell you like this is what we want and just play R and
5: B or So not in Philly. When I was in Philly, I was very Stubborn and very East Coast with my taste in music and what I would play. Like I remember, I would do parties and want to play Doctor Octagon. You know wow! I mean? Oh Jesus! Wow. H Christ! Yeah, like that's where I was at. Like I wanted to. You try to make
3: blue flowers work? huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like
5: I was. That's where I. That's where I was at in my Philly days. But and you know, I wanted to play fucking Smith and Wesson album cuts and just you know, I didn't get to to the stage or era of pleasing the crowd or my audience until I moved to Atlanta. Atlanta Atlanta did it. And I don't want to do, I don't even want to
3: frame it like it's a compromise cuz I I do think that you're either going to be an effective DJ yeah. or well, you're going to be a teachable lesson DJ.
5: Yeah. Well, I was blessed in my career to be able to be that later on because of who I became and who I was. So once I became DJ Drama, it's like, okay, when they come to see me they also want to be able to, I can, you know, introduce them to something or be a little more stubborn. But it's really going to Clark Atlanta University and being in the AUC for me coming from Philly, where I would have people from DC who wanted to hear Go Go. Yep. I would have, you know, people from the West Coast who wanted to hear. Shit from L.A. or the Bay, or I would have people from Texas who wanted to hear "Screw" or what, what have you. So it, I taught me how to be well-rounded.
3: So okay, so, and that's that. Where I was gonna go next, you know, the whole. I mean, especially now, you you kind of morphed into your drama ness before <laughs> the age of cell phones. So the whole idea of someone putting their phone in your and face, same like, yeah, like I hate. I'm a no request person. Got you, and that's where my ego gets
5: me in trouble. Yeah, I'm not like that. So you're so you're, you're people. You're a
3: person of the people.
5: I am. Thank you. God. I'm definitely a person of the people. I thought, like, was, I, I thought
0: that was old school. Right? No, no,
5: no, no. I like when people like if I go to Vegas and I, it's eight women who keep putting Bad Bunny on their phone. <laughs> I gotta play fucking Bad Bunny. <laughs> like. So
3: even to this day, you're not offended, like motherfucker. I'm DJ Drama. Like I created stars. Right, right, right. Um, you not, don't tell Picasso what the paint don't. See that I got an mm. ego but it's, it's a part a, of job but that's not and
4: that's not the that's not the capacity he's there to serve that night you know what I'm saying it's it de- like
5: yeah i mean there's a, it depend like it depends on the gig too like if i get a like a a hipster new york gig for like i did something for united masters and you know i, I that night they booked me like i know they want to hear drama shit like i'm going to play canon remix and i'm going to you know go in and play some gucci or Go here with it, but you know, if I'm at my Vegas residency, like I'm there to yeah, do the Vegas do the shit. Pop- yeah, like yeah. no, I'm not. At the same time, like right, I'm still yeah, DJ drama, so, yeah. so I'm not about to fist pump that thing out. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Have <laughs> you
3: ever had a? Uh, a not, <laughs>
5: yeah, I mean, I, I, the moment, or at least that was sort I of the mean, shit back in 2014. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've played those records at times, like. What, but that's not the majority of my set. like I know yeah. when they book me like they want they come there for a certain no, reason yeah, like, I people get it. I get People, it. like when they when I go even to Vegas like and you know, Vegas has had a transition at time where it's become much more hip hop driven than it was. but I'm just saying like when I go to gigs, like people want to hear dJ drama be DJ drama, you know what I'm saying? so it's yeah. like but a, is
3: it confusing now at this stage in your life where Okay, nice. so say an, an album that, that I would associate you with, like any Canon records. So let's say, like, uh, Go Crazy. Right. Which came out in like, 2009, that, 2008. Right. Yeah. Which, I, to an old guy, to me, I'm still like, oh, that's new rap, even uh, though that's, that's old school. Uh, right.
5: Yeah. No, no, no. So, no. I mean, so I. So is it confusing I, now? No, not for me because I go with the times and I go, like, I just got off a tour with Wiz and Logic, for instance. So, but, and, and the, the blessing for me is, though, is that. That's not, like, as much as there's an audience that knows me for that, when I get on stage at the Wiz Khalifa and Logic show, I start with a Tyler to Create a Record, yeah. and then I go into a dream, I play Stick off the Dreamville tape. Cause that's still my shit. Like it's still yeah, off gangster grills. Was, that's,
0: that's when DJ Dramatic to me kind of enters the thing. I hate, I know you. I don't know if you hate when I go DJ Dramatic it's versus drama, but it's just how I can define. I, mean, dramatic, I knew you just, when you was a mirror. No, it's not. But I was drama first a, though.
5: I mean, it wasn't like I was dramatic. No, I no. was drama, and then I tried to change it to dramatic, and then I went back. So it wasn't like I was originally DJ dramatic. I was I was DJ drama first. But you
0: okay? I'll, I'll accept that. But you know, when I say dramatic, it's also like to an era, a time when you did have a certain lane that you were in that you have yeah left since. Well, what happened was
5: it? I didn't know. I mean, like as much as much as I was putting into Gangster Girls, I was putting into Automatic Relaxation. Oh, One just took off from exactly. the other. Okay, so let me ask you:
3: When you decide to go to Clark University?
5: Yep. Clark, Clark Atlanta. Atlanta. Clark, Clark Atlanta. Atlanta. Yep.
3: And I assume that you're transporting your your equipment with mm, you. Yep. So And that's important. Like, you already know that in your dorm that your big-ass speakers and your records and your turntables
5: all had to come with me. Are coming with you. Okay. Absolutely. No question. Without it. Were without, your parents
3: like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're in a dorm. In a dorm, you.
0: yeah. <laughs> you?
5: I mean, they, they, You know, I mean, by that point, I was already, like, kind of – You know, they had, they, it was clear that I was on a certain path and I was, you know, this DJ thing was. So it was going to happen in
3: college, not just some high school thing. And uh, yeah, I
5: don't, yeah, I don't know if they knew. I mean, clearly they didn't see this happening. Like, you know, I mean, my mom, even after school, was concerned about me getting a real, quote unquote, real job. But yeah, I mean, when I got to school, like, it was, you know, I brought my Philly hustle with me. Like, i like will tell you, like, fr- freshman year when everybody was freak nicked out, mm-hmm. I, I bought a bunch of t shirts from this guy named Moot and I was hustling t shirts during Freak Nick. Like, I didn't partake in none of the activities. Like, or I would set up on campus, On we had these green trash cans and I had this little yellow radio and I would like hustle my mixtapes in between classes. So,
3: how did you find uh, an outlet to establish yourself in Atlanta?
5: Well, I mean, the outlet was the AUC. It was our world. I mean, there was enough.
0: And marketing in Marcos, you feel like working in Marcos too was.
5: was... Ma- I mean, Marcos Peter. I didn't, I didn't go to college. UC. The AUC. Atlanta, Atlanta University. University. Atlanta University Center. So that's Clark Atlanta. That's Morris Brown at the time. That's Morehouse and yeah. Spelman. Mm-hmm. So you literally have four historically black colleges and universities right in one epicenter. So there's multitudes of parties and gigs available. So I was... Did you try to find your flock or... No, I can't. Or I mean, were you like,
3: okay, where are they into down here?
5: It it just happened naturally because, you know, as you start doing gigs, I mean, you realize, oh, I got people from everywhere. So, you know, I learned very early on. And I shout out to my, my man DJ Sense. And Sense is also from Philly. We met um, freshman year and he kind of was a little more commercially driven than I was at the time. Like I was real backpack rap. And he was like... <laughs>
2: The good bad time. boy You know what I'm saying right.
5: So us doing gigs together He kind of helped Influence and inspire me To get you know He yelled at me one time I cut the Benjamins off Too early <laughs> Oh wow At a gig He was like bro Like you can't cut it off At this part And I'm, he was right You know what I'm saying So us doing gigs together I kind of got more into my commercial bag and you know cause I still even when I was in school when I was doing these college gigs I was still DJing lyricist lounges I was still at Yin Yang Cafe Ying doing Yang. Yeah, poet, right. poetry you, you didn't know shit. you was at Yin like, Yang you yeah. know what I mean like I was I was still into that world so I was I was bouncing between worlds in a way who was the DJ
3: down here that was your oh shit or your Kaiser Sosa coffee mug slow drop Realization thing that This is some neck shit down here That I have to
5: First it was DJ Nabs mm-hmm. Nabs was The ultimate I mean he was on the radio He was on television He was He had Kai. He had Nabs in a lab At Club Kaya Sunday night Which was just The ultimate experience And then I think for me It probably was uh, DJ Mars Mars also at the time was You know he used to be on. He he had a BET gig, so he was doing. What was that show called? It was a. It was one of them shows. Mars was on the radio. You know, he was on every day, and he was in the club. So he was like one of you know one of those like the guys that we looked towards as like damn, that's the next level. So and he he. I, it's funny because <laughs> I did the same thing with you too. You I know you don't remember this, but I used to like write for this like little. Magazine or or like little zine, and I went and did an interview with Mars. That's how I I I like got I introduced myself to him. I went to go interview him at the station, and then I handed him one of my mixtapes, and he was like, "Yo, this shit's hot." And oddly enough, when you you guys came to Atlanta one time, I did the same thing with you. I was I did an interview with you for the magazine, and that was how I first found out about Dilla because this was the era where you oh, were wow. dill it out mm-hmm. and you were just, you told me like, yo, all we do is listen to Slum Village and this is mid, late 90s and everything and yeah, so I would kind of, you know, wiggle my way in however, whatever to, to, you know, get my name out there or get my tapes in people's hands.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at PurdueGlobal.edu.
3: Like, I feel like Atlanta really found itself with what uh, Organized Noise and Outcast and all those Absolutely. guys established. Absolutely. So, but the thing is, is that I'd, I didn't call it anything. Like, I know, like, New Orleans is bounce and there's bass music in Miami, but what was Atlanta's culture before Trap? Like, does, first of all, does Atlanta own what we know as Trap?
5: Absolutely, 100%.
3: So, what was before the BC era of that?
5: It was Dungeon Family. I mean, so you think, I moved here in 96. Okay. 96, Illadelf Half Life came out. 96, AT came out. Muddy Waters, Red Man. Muddy Waters came out. Reasonable. Mob Deep, um, yeah. second album came out. Hell on Earth, yeah, um, Hell on Earth came out. <laughs> the Score.
3: And I uh, have, and I have an Elevators question to ask you cause,
5: I came right when Elevators kind of hit. Like,
3: okay, so let me ask you something. All right, and I, why is Elevators like my new Latin quarters? There's uh, <laughs> so uh, many tangents right?
5: we can go. So much I gotta talk. I, gotta, I wanna <laughs> say like, so <laughs> uh,
3: okay. d- just while we're here. <laughs> All right, so when we asked, you know, L.A. Reid and Organized Noise, my thing was I would ask them, why would they take such a risk with the sonic choice of, of Elevators? Yes, it's a masterpiece of a song,
5: but— But who knew at the time? You I was mean,
3: just you know? like, yo, who would ever put, like, a song that's, like, 86 BPMs, mm. which was very slow at the time mm-hmm. compared to what was hitting? Mm-hmm. And it was just everything about that song was just, like— it was a risk. It was mm-hmm. a hail mary throw that got caught, and you know, organized noise explained that you know they leaked it first, and of course, L.A. Reid really wanted oh, yeah, A.T.L. to come out they, first.
5: They put it. They took it to the radio station and just like enforced
3: you know. it. Right, right. And yeah. then, but as a DJ, like, could you explain to me the effect that that song had on, or just at the time, like,
5: yeah, I mean, it was Atlanta. So again, it was. When when, when AT Aliens dropped, just, you know, the the pride and the the sonics and the creativity of that album, you know, Southern Playlistic was already a thing. Right. And then A T came and it was like, Oh, these these boys is different, you know. I mean right. I, that was the era when three thousand was walking around with the turban and right. you know, Goody Mob had, you know, dropped and everything. So it was like I just think the pride in it, you know. I hear stories about before Outcast about how you would go to certain clubs in Atlanta, like warehouse and things, and people would almost want to kind of act like they were from New York, you know. And then he
3: just said, Yeah, they just said that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then
5: it was Outcast that was almost brought that pride out where it made people in Atlanta feel proud to be from Atlanta or from the South. You know what what I'm saying? So, yeah, so before the trap era, you know, Atlanta was was defined by Dungeon Family, by So So Deaf, and you know by LaFace oh, Records, and uh, that was that was the you know the, the the trifecta of what Atlanta was.
3: So when you are down here, at what point the cast of characters that were known as the affiliates? Mm-hmm. How are they amalgamating themselves in in your life? Like, are you meeting yeah. them now at this point?
5: So I met DJ Sense literally the first day I get to school in Clark Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I get in we go to the dorm to Brawley Hall and I, my my room number was 215. Um wow. crazy, right? And and then wow. somebody told Sense, "Hey, you know there's a DJ on the second floor from Philly." And he had told he told me he kind of already heard about me in Philly like, you know, it's crazy to think I had a little buzz but he had a he he, you know he knew about me so we like battled it we battled in my room like the first first day we met just kind of going back and forth on the turntables cutting and scratching and then you know we were doing parties together and we were you know like a dynamic duo and just you know people would book me or book him or we would go together and we would do all the parties and then my next year this tall lanky kid gets on campus and like he had heard about me and he kind of was like yo my name's Donnie Brasco I'm from Philly and I'm a DJ I make beats and I was kind of you know Kyle you know him and Kyle went to school together so Kyle kind of like put a sour taste in my mouth early on like do, that cannon was a nut.
0: Kyle, is, <laughs> Kyle was part of Tyree and them crew. Yeah. It was a whole crew of Philly dudes at We weren't all
5: Philly. It was always so it, it was Dame. Dame.
0: Well, Dame, yeah. Dame was there. You had a North Carolina. Yeah, yeah Carolina.
5: Then, uh, it was Chris, Chris and Illy. It, it was Dame. It was me. Since and I had like my school crew, and then I had like. My Rubik's, Jax, and, you know, my, my my hip-hop, my Binkus crew. but Wow, Binkus. Um, oh, Binkus. Rest in peace to my brother, Jax. Yeah, but man. so can so finally, Cannon wound up giving me a beat CD, and I went home and I listened to it, and I was like, yo, this shit is fucking fire. So next day I see him on campus, I'm like, yo, yo I've listened to your beat tape, that shit's hard. Like, you know, come through the crib. So it went from me and Sense to me Sense and Cannon, and then we were just the three of us were like you know damn near inseparable like it, don't while we were in school and we would do bunch of gigs together or just support each other or you know when i was selling tapes like canon and sense would make their tapes and i would you know we i would sell them all and um we would just do events together but we the re, the way the affiliates came about is because there was a crew called the super friends which was dj mars dj trauma um uh there was cowboy was in there fahrenheit Kim was, was super friends and they made us part they we were like the youngest of the crew and they you know invited us in
3: and the dj trauma that is mm-hmm, currently mm-hmm. Reshipp- okay yeah. okay just and you know sure. it was
5: you know that was one of the reasons why i tried to change my name to dramatic it's because of trauma because tra- trauma and drama and his name is Tyree and y'all both had, and we locks. both had locks at the time <laughs> oh man and he was on the radio and he was on fire and it was like everywhere i would go and try to say i'm dj drama they'd be like trauma and i'd be like no drama <laughs> uh. and it just used to frustrate me like like man i'm about to just change my name and mars you know interestingly enough was like yo don't change your name for nobody and trauma was his best friend but he you know he t- he said Yo, don't change your name for nobody like if that's your name, that's your name. So we were part of the Super Friends, and we were really trying to be focused, like, on mixtapes. And the Super Friends were very party-driven. And we kind of we, we went through a little disagreement at the time as my memory serves me jacob york offered the super friends uh opportunity to do an album and we were kind of already you know feeling a certain type of way because you know we weren't like they were getting all the gigs and you know we were trying to make our name we couldn't get no sponsorship for the mixtapes because they were getting all the sponsorship for the parties and everything right. and they were like yo if we do an album let's call it gangsta grills because that's the strongest brand out of all of us and i was like i don't nah, i don't want to call the Super Friends album Gangster Girls, like that's my shit. So they basically wait, like, when did you morph into Gangster Girls? I was, I started Gangster Girls in 2000. So by like 03, 04, it had become a thing, like where it was, you know, I, Little John was the first person to host it. So I used his voice on Gangster Girls 4, and it was still just like a compilation. At The time, and you know, I did like Gangster Girls Five, and I just kept using John's voice, right?
3: How did you so? How do you approach an artist? Because for a lot of the artists that were in Gangster Grills mixtape, like as an outsider, I didn't know none of those people, so mm. you know, I'm hearing TI for the first time, I'm right. Hearing like everyone that you put on, uh, right, uh, G-Z. Trapper, yeah, yeah, Jeezy, yeah, and yeah. all those things, even like really the first time I've really paid attention to Wayne and all that stuff is really on Gangster Group. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, how are you propositioning them and approaching them to do these things?
5: Each situation is, is, differs in a way, but like Little John was, Sense was working at the station and Cersei and Little John were partners in BME and John used to be up there all the time. And you know, John, was he's one of the most down-to-earth, humble guys in the world, and I, I literally just asked him. You know, this was a time when I was paying attention to what was going on on the East Coast, and I asked him, like, yo, would you host a mixtape for me? And he was like, sure, and he came to my crib in the 4th Ward, and hence the Gangster Grizzles drop was born, and, you know, he hosted the tape. Jason Jeter is the first person to ever call me He got my number off the back of a mixtape from the barbershop. Now, think about this. I get a 1,000 DMs a day about artists trying to get on. The first phone call I ever got was from Jason Jeter, and he was like, hey, my name's Jason Jeter. I have this new artist signed to LaFace. We have a song with Beanie Siegel called Two Glocks Nine. I got one of your mixtapes. I want to bring them through to freestyle on one of your tapes. And I was like, all right, sure, cool, whatever. So sight unseen, you don't know never met hit. Tip, never wasn't even familiar with the two Glocks 9 record yet. Right. So he literally comes to the crib, Jeter and Tip, super shy and quiet at the time. You know, I had my equipment in like where the laundry room would be. He comes in there, I pick a beat, I pick the for the fan beat, um, the Rockefeller Yeah yeah with uh-huh. the one with a mill and yeah, yeah. everybody on it. Right. And he he freestyled on that. And at the end of the freestyle he said, you know, the king of the South. And I remember once him and Jeter left, I went to Sense, like, yo, this nigga said he's the king of the South. Like, <laughs> he's tripping. Like, <laughs> So that was literally our introduction. And then, you know, Jeter was also from Jersey. So he was paying attention to my mixtape grind and what I was doing. And they were kind of, you know, once things didn't work out between them and L.A. Reid, they got on their mixtape grind. So we were kind of both coming up at the same time. Where I lived on Glen Iris, Coach K lived around the corner from me. Ah, okay. We got cool with Coach K. His, he had this group called Jadis, who Bobby Creekwater was a part of, who later ah, got signed yeah, to yeah, Shady. Yeah, he was on Shady, yeah. That was Coach K's first group. And then he also used to work for um, Allen Henderson in Hindu when Allen Henderson had a record label. But we got cool with Coach K, and then he told me, like, yo, I got this this artist from making. His name is... Jeezy, mm-hmm. and he had an album out. The, the first album they put out was called "Come Shop with Me," the album, yeah. and then Jeezy, I would coach would bring Jeezy over, and I would make show CDs for Jeezy. I would charge him like a hundred dollars, and he would come, and I would he would just he would he was doing shows and making okay, and I would like make CD. He would take instrumentals, whatever instrumentals were hot at the time, and I would just make them little like show CDs to put together. As Gangsta Girls was becoming a thing. So then I did like John tape. Then like I think Scrappy hosted one. Then Jeter called me and was like, "Yo, I've been listening to the tapes. I got this idea. Let's do an all Ti and PSC gangster grills." And I was like, "Bet," you know. And at the time, I'm I'm just fascinated by Green Lantern and Who Kid and what Fifth is doing and what they're doing. And so Jeter and Tip gave me the opportunity to do the type of mixtape that I wanted to do. So
3: you felt. Because I'm, I'm just amazed at your amount of faith. It's, it's so weird. Like, I need to have this conversation because I'm such a no now, mm. no, mm. or who going to be there? <laughs> who are going to yeah. no, right. be there? Like, that sort of thing. And yeah. uh, get me out of this or whatever. Right. But it seems to me that your, the key to your success is the word yes.
5: Absolutely. Yes and. Absolutely. You would like, have I'm been great i the type of guy. At- I give, when I go outside, I give my number to everybody. Wow. The worst thing that I can do is not answer. It's not right. Because yeah. I think about that all the time. What if I would have told Jeter no? Mm-hmm. Wow. So, now I think about all the news
3: I've told the <laughs> Jeter's in my life. Now
5: don't, now, don't get me wrong. I've, you know,
3: I mean, I've missed out on some things. Have you, yeah, have you passed up on a moment that, like, damn, I could have had blah, blah, blah? Of course. Name three. Three notable you probably worked with them since, but at least like you could at least introduce them to the
5: world or whatever. I mean, I've said this before, but Drake definitely wanted a Gangster Grills very early on. All right, for sure. And you didn't know about him, or it was just like you were too busy, or it was I just it didn't happen. You know, I mean, he went and he because he I mean, he did a Southern Smalls tape, like DJ Smalls. So right. at the time there was there was Southern Smoke and there was Gangster Grills. So so and then Bun B was a very early believer. So then I did the tip, I did the tip Gangsta Grills, and that just like took off in the streets. And it was like, you know, tip was on fire. Gangster Grills was becoming a thing. And, you know, that's that was the soundtrack of the streets in Atlanta, the T I P S C meets Gangsta Grills. And then I did a tape for Bun. And then I did a Gangster Grills party and I had like I had it in, it was in Buckhead and I think Tip hosted Bone Crusher hosted, I think, David Banner. Yeah, I did a tape with David Banner, Bone Crusher hosted. I was against Girls, like, seven. And was like, that, that was insane. That, that was a big one. But it was still a compilation at the time. Right. So then Coach and Jeezy took me out. They wanted to take me to lunch one day. So they took me to this spot called Harry and Sons. And Jeezy tells me, yo, I was at your party. Yo, I don't know how much you know, but the streets, like, fuck with you. You know, and I'm like, Where? like, you know, I'm, I'm in the streets selling You're unaware tapes. of this? Yeah, I'm very unaware. Like when he his his ver his what his streets are wasn't what my streets were. That like part. My streets were even like, being in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, I was familiar. You know, what I'm saying because I was doing parties for like BMF and things of that nature. But the streets for me were like going to the flea market and selling boxes of CDs. You know, you're not going to Bankhead or I'm going East anywhere. Point or- I'm going anywhere that they sell CDs. I'm going. Okay. But I'm not. You know, in the streets. Yeah, I'm I'm selling mixtapes. I'm the not hood, selling yeah. nothing but mixtapes. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. <that> so part. <laughs> you know, yeah. So then you know, Jeezy tells me like, yo, put, when Meech goes to campus, that's where he goes and gets his gangster girls from. Like he he's listening to your shit, and he's like, listen, I got this vision. Like I want to do a gangster girls with you. Like he had it all mapped out, and I was tun I was listening, like no doubt. But at the time, I had never done a tape with somebody who wasn't known yet. And that was the first time I got paid for a tape. They gave me $1,000. And we did the tape. It was called Streets is Watching. It was, God damn. It was I could have changed my life with just 10
3: $100 bills. <laughs> right? What the fuck? Back Why then. did we go to back, you? Back yeah, then. right. Damn.
5: I had
0: a thousand bucks. <laughs> Shit.
5: <laughs> he paid me a $1,000 to do the tape. He was
0: already working good.
5: Yeah, you was on, um, like, what are we talking right? about? Right, like on like, like, fifth record. Yeah, how nah, many man, Grammys, how many it's, Grammys it's still, did you have yeah, by this point? Yeah, place? oh, yeah. Like, come on. Oh, yeah,
0: you yeah. We you we,
5: we still, to this day, we,
3: it's almost like we cut, like, someone took us to the front of the bank line on a Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got we got to go back to Baltic Avenue and Mediterranean Avenue and Oriental Avenue <laughs> like we got <laughs> Park Place and all that stuff. But we realized that there's an early gap that we skipped, you and so? it doesn't matter. Like I could have forty two Oscars. We have to scratch that itch with black
0: people. Yeah, they never did but like the conferences and stuff like the I how to I, how to be down Jack the rapper impact all. We like wanted that. to, but right. you know
5: Geffen wouldn't have it. Yeah. So anyway, so go go. So then, yeah, so originally the tape was called G's Up, but that was the name of Scrappy's group at the time, so we changed it to Streets Is Watching. So when I did Streets Is Watching, again, Gangsta Girls was a bigger brand than Young Jeezy at the time. So we put the tape out, and we put it out around Birthday Bash era, and, you know, within a couple months, I mean, I remember the first person to ever tell me, my man Jay, who does Raw Report, who wound up doing a DVD with Jeezy for Trap or Die, but... I was on Glen Iris with my dad and he drove he was driving by and he was like, Yo, that Jeezy tape, that's the best gangster grills you've ever done. Wow. And I'm like, Word? I just told Jeezy this the other day and I was like, Word, the new nigga? Like, cause I'm <laughs> I'm TI'd out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like it's Tip the King, like I'm on fire with Tip. And he's like, Yo, the Jeezy tape, like that shit hits different. So, you know, a couple months in, Coach K is like, Drum, you gotta come on the road with us. Like you gotta see what's going on like they're doing this word for word there's one thing you're skipping i gotta know this
3: as far as the marketing and the distribution yeah is there only one place to get this because how is tariq well i mean i guess y'all i don't know how so, he got you no nah.
5: so really thankfully the bootleggers were like mm. taking my shit to the next level they were doing a lot of the leg work for me so you didn't know that you were national no i went i when gangster girl 7 came out I wound up finding out where the bootleg spot was, and this was around the time. No, I'm sorry, it was Gangster Grill Six. It was Gangster Grill Six, but it was Fifty Cent. Get Rich or Die Trying had just came out. We wound up finding out where the bootleg spot were um, in the West End, and we went there. And I literally saw as many Gangster Grill Sixes as I did Get Rich or Die Trying bootlegs, wow. and I was like. I was, like, fascinated. I was, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Not thinking, damn, like, I'm not really making a lot of money, but these niggas is making a lot of money off my (laughs) shit. But it's a mixtape. So it was, for me, it was a, you know, it was a calling. Like, I mean, it was my calling card. Like, so I was just excited. And I was moving around. Like, I would would come to Canal Street in New York, and I would, you know, even at a time when they were telling me, like, "Nah, we don't really check for South mixtapes. I would just be, like, listen, take this. It's all yours. Like, you know and let me know how it does and I would call back a c- couple weeks months later and they'd be like yo send us some more so
0: when did that start is that like
5: after six after the jump or is that like that was, a, that was all around the time it was all around that time around six okay. around the by by the time Trapper Die came out Gangsta Girls was the thing so it was like I didn't go anywhere in the country I was on tour with T.I. at the time and I was hearing my shit come out of every car and then I was like damn what I'm gonna do next and The next tape I did was dedication.
0: Okay, y'all, so that's gonna conclude part one of our conversation with DJ Drama, but wait a minute, you need to stay tuned for part two, where we speak to Drama about making mixtape classics with Lil Wayne, his evolution from making those tapes to platinum hits and why he is so proud about working with Fonte and little brother on Separate But Equal. Oh, y'all don't want to miss that conversation. It gets deep and so good. But listen, stay tuned, because we got more with my family repping CAU all day. DJ Drama.
3: What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring?